Come in, damn it. You're sure a punctual bastard. Welcome to the podcast at Orgy Castle. Sit back, darling, and enjoy with your hosts, Derek and Paula. Hi. Hey, what's up? I just watched a hilarious movie. Oh, my God. Look at this. Look at our two screens right now. They're so bright, aren't they? It's bright. (laughs) There's actually sun. It's been rainy as fuck here. So the sun actually came out today. So. Oh, well, I'm in Wisconsin, Paula, if you weren't aware. And it's always shitty here. So what you see is, I don't know, if has hell broken open? I mean, I, I have no idea. It's actually nice outside. And what am I doing? I'm sitting inside watching smutty ass movies. Yeah. Like you do. That's what I do. <laughs> That's what you do. Oh, so and what, what a smutty ass movie that was. Holy fuck, folks. I guess we'll start the episode right now. Um, if you haven't noticed, we've been gone for almost a month. Yeah. Yeah. It's because Paul and I are in a deep, 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 hateful, angry war right now. And we can't, we almost stopped the podcast because we hate each other. No, no. That, Absolutely, is not. Did did I, did I miss something? <laughs> I got to build up the drama. You, this uh, is funny. Oh, yeah, Derek, you you dick. <laughs> that was that felt so genuine. I I, I, I I tried to muster it up. Apparently, <laughs> apparently, we're not getting along. So <laughs> the cold icicle just jabbed straight through my heart on that one. Mm. Uh, well, I was <laughs> while we were away. Our, our good bud Vaughn got a hold of me and asked, hey, he was really concerned about this. Oh, hey, really? Is the podcast at Orgy Castle on hiatus? I'm like, no, I it, <laughs> if you really want to know, let's pull back the veil, Paula. Um, if you haven't caught wind, if you haven't been listening to the podcast, all these 21 episodes, uh, we've kind of alluded to the fact that I am a single father of three. And every once in a while, I have to put a kibosh on the podcast because the way we do this is every Wednesday, usually we get together and watch a smutty movie together and then talk about that. I can't really do that with three kids under 12 hanging out in my house. Not without somebody calling CPS. Yes. <laughs> and I don't want that to happen because I love my daughters. No. And one of, one of them, one of them was a mistake of mine because I'm in the last couple of weeks of school and I'm exhausted and we watched she mob and I literally fell asleep on my computer when we were watching and I didn't wake up until like 1230. And I see this message from Derek. Are you there? <laughs> No, I'm sorry. I literally fell asleep with my face on the keyboard watching <laughs> Shame Off because school is stressing me out. So I've I've slept. Things are better. Derek got the girls all taken care of. And so, hey, Vaughn, baby, we're back. Reconvene. We're back, baby. You got so, it. We made up. <laughs> we made up. As you can tell, it was real venomous. It yeah. was really awful. You dick. So I'm glad you got that out of you. Oh, um, I feel so much better now. Yeah, I bet you do. I do, I do. <laughs> so we like to keep our promises. So we're going to do She Mob again oh. today. 
God, it was so good. Oh, my God. Paula, the first time when you fell asleep, it was just me and Angelique watching this movie together. Oh, that, that was fun. I Damn. was marking out like crazy. I don't mean to like show my hand too early in this episode, but I love this fucking movie. The movie we're going to talk about today, She Mob, made in 1968, directed by Harry West. I'm guessing that's how you yeah. say his name. So unfortunately, as I said before, Harry West has only directed three things because She Mob is, quite frankly, the funnest fucking movie we've watched on this podcast so far. Well, the chick who wrote it only wrote this. Marnie Castle, who played Big Shim and Brenda McLean, was only in this. Most of the people who did this movie were like in this, like the Monique Duval who played Sweetie East, right? She was in like four things. And so most of the people who did this did like this and nothing else. They all came together, did a little lightning in a bottle, and then fucked off to, you know, die in a mattress somewhere. I don't know. But <laughs> oh, that's really dark. <laughs> Instead of having good, fruitful lives, they went and died do, on some seedy mattress. Do, do, do you think Marnie Castle worked in like a bank or something? I don't know. She tried to act like she owned this palatial estate and that she was the head of some company in this movie. She did a great job. I thought she was fabulous. And the fact oh. that you didn't you didn't know until I told you that, that, that she was the same person, that she was both Brenda and Big Shim. <laughs> That's okay. a damn fine acting. Oh, this movie is the pinnacle of acting, folks. And before we get too far into this, uh, She Mob is the story of a gang of four lesbian inmates that escape from prison, kidnap the boyfriend, quote-unquote boyfriend. He's actually a gigolo. Gigolo. She pay, I mean, the wealthy woman, uh, Brenda McLean, pays for him. And uh, so the this gang of uh, lesbian, uh, I guess, convicts, crooks, convicts, convicts yeah. uh, steal him and try to do a whole kidnap switcheroo like, we have your boyfriend. We want $100,000. Um, so come here and get him and pay us the money if you want him back. Well, Brenda decides, you know what? He is worth it, but I kind of want to do a switcheroo of my own. She hires a private eye, which is basically like the female version of James Bond uh, <laughs> to go find <laughs> to go find the boyfriend. Uh, she's, she's got that pet leopard that she's carrying around. <laughs> this chick literally, she hires. So, so there's a gang, which is hilarious. The, this gang of women that are hiding out in this, this farmhouse in the middle of absolute nowhere kidnaps this dude who's just like, yeah, sure. Okay. I get, I get what your game is. Whatever. That's, that's fine. Go ahead and call her up. <laughs> so Brenda calls this chick up in this ridiculous outfit that walks around her house carrying a fucking leper. Oh, the outfit, the jumpsuit? <laughs> where the you can jumpsuit see that's pure butt crack. It's like 90% yeah, yeah. butt crack. Yeah, and all the zippers, how it zips up the legs and everything, and then she wears stockings underneath it because, of course, she fucking does because she's a lady. <laughs> Is oh that how ladies dress? I, who the fuck? Why are you asking me? <laughs> Do anybody dress the way in, in actuality that the people in She Mob dress? Because Big Shim, who is oh the, the big bad in this movie, played by Marnie Castle, walks out in her first scene wearing this leather getup, which almost looks like a, a butcher's smock with bullet tits. Yeah. 
like like Gautier in the 80s, like Madonna, who thought they did it first. No, 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 no. Big Shim in Shemov was the first to have the violent cone tits. And then she's got, yeah, it's like a little almost like loincloth and then chaps and black. And she's sitting around in the house like she's wearing sweats with this thing on. <laughs> This is like her she, daily Yeah, this is this is just what she wears, you know. This is just this is just her thing. And she's got her girlfriend baby on the bed with the with the glass ornament tits. Oh, those things look like they were primed to explode in 1968 to have fake tits like that. Yeah. I bet you those weren't healthy. I would I, I seriously they look like glass balls or like someone had taken some hard rubber ball and you can see her scars that were underneath and they yeah. were like they went all the way under and they shoved those things in there, but they were, I mean, they were like, they were perfect domes. I mean, they really looked weird. <laughs> <laughs> they did not look real in but, any way. But they had her touching them a lot. All and the time. Because, oh yeah, Shim comes out of the the bathroom and says, wait for me, baby, because baby's on the bed and she's all rubbing and touching and she's got a garter belt on and the the Christmas globes out, right? Yeah. She's just on the bed with her big blonde beehive hairdo, like a couple of really great beehives in this. And uh, any, any, anyway, I'm sorry, I got us off track thinking about Christmas ball tits. But so we were talking about Shim. Were, were, were we finishing up the plot? Well, I don't know. Okay, so so the plot essentially, if we want to get, we we're talking about sweetie, sweetie East and her jumpsuit, and we just got like way off track there. It's easy to get way off track because there's it so really much is. to talk about with this. I know. Movie. Um. So so she hired Brenda hires uh Sweetie this, East. Is that what her name is? Sweetie Sweetie East. Sweetie East played by Monique Duval. Who who is, you know, the I I guess the um Google girl version of James Bond. And uh Sweetie East goes to try and save Tony the gigolo from the she mob, and that's <laughs> the rest of the movie, essentially. Now, yeah. as you could tell. There is a lot of really fun characters in this film. Paula, you want to talk about some of these characters? Obviously, we already have kind of talked about Marnie Castle with Big Shim. Oh, uh, we have Sweetie East. Uh, what did you think about Sweetie East and uh, the, the go-go version of James Bond? I want to know who had the eyebrows hurt first, her or Divine. Who, who <laughs> I want to know who ripped off who. That's really what I want to know. And I could totally see Divine in that jumpsuit. <laughs> Um, Divine would have been spilling out of that jumpsuit. Yes, as was she almost, and she looked amazing in it. And a lot of this movie was basically ass and tit shots of, of Monique Duval, a.k.a. Sweetie East. I mean, that whole time when she's putting on her, the garter belt with the stockings, and it's just her ass for like three minutes, and you just don't mind. No. <laughs> yeah, like a lot of the movies we've watched here on the show, this is yeah. another something weird video uh, archive movie where the camera just lingers on stuff and it, it it's in no rush to get anywhere. There's a ton of plot in this movie, yeah. but it's in no fucking rush to get anywhere. Well, I, I think the first thing that we should talk about is the opening bathtub sex scene. <laughs> I think I think that deserves our, I mean, you know, our attention because <laughs> For one thing, it starts out, she's in the tub, right? And this is Brenda McLean, a.k.a. Big Shim, played by Marnie Castle, right? And she's in the tub, and we see a man in the bed just kind of, like, laying there. And we hear her going, Tony! Come here, Tony! Tony! For, like, five minutes. And he's just on the bed, like, towel over his face. Oh, 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 oh. 
oh, Tony, Tony. And finally, Tony goes in and he gets in and he's a total dick to her. And then the next thing you know, wash my back, wash my back. And then he gets in and then they just start rolling around. And all I can think of is how bad bathtub sex sucks, right? It, it, this is the epitome of bathtub sex. It's the yeah, worst. You're flipping just, around, you're yeah. falling around. Nothing is fun. It doesn't remotely look like they're having sex whatsoever, but yep. I guess they're having sex. But they were giggling and it actually looked like they were having a good time. Because oh, yeah. the, the glee on her face was pretty genuine. I mean, they looked like they were actually having like fun rolling around in the tub. But um, so, yeah, so that lasted like, what, five, six minutes. Yeah, it was like a 10 minute sequence. Yeah. It went out forever. Yeah. And that big ass sunken tub in the floor and all the bubbles and everything. And so, yeah, I mean, it actually looked like they were having a good time. So that kind of added to some of the joy of this because it really felt like everyone that was making it was having fun. Well, right from the even before that, the opening credit sequence of this movie is like something you would see far later in like a Quentin Tarantino movie with yes. all the characters and the, the yeah. split screens. And it was so stylistic. I was not expecting the movie to start off with this extremely graphically present and quickly edited and paced intro credit sequence. It was really that, cool. It was awesome. It, not only from just a stylistic standpoint, but the music, the music is all the super fun beatniky music with, with jazz and it just all over the place. It felt like Harry West was a real big fan of Russ Meyer. Yeah. Russ oh, Meyer is all over this movie. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's probably his 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 own version of Faster Pussycat with the the ultra violence and women because that's what this is about. This is about what four or five like just crazy chicks out for kicks. Yeah, essentially yeah. hiding out in a farmhouse. So they decide to call up their local pimp to yeah. bring a gigolo. Oh my god, <laughs> that huge, huge, huge dude and that tiny little girl is climbing on him like a fucking spider monkey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the guy's just like, yeah, yeah. You want, you want Tony? Yeah, okay, okay. And this chick is literally like crawling. I can. <laughs> he must have been at least six and a half, seven feet tall, and she could not have been any more than five foot. Nope. She was nope. teeny, itty bitty, bitty, tiny, adorable, and he was this huge, handsome man. And she's just the whole time he's on the phone, she's just climbing around him like he's a pole. <laughs> It's just the funniest scene to watch. And then, and you know, Shim's on the other line, like just doing her thing, looking for, looking for a gigolo to come out and get the girls their kicks. Cause they're man hungry and they're woman hungry, but right now they want a man. And so she's got to get one out here. That'll satisfy all you bitches. I love it that they call each other bitches all the time. <laughs> the entire movie is nothing but the word bitch. Constantly. Oh, I know. It's, it's awesome. It just sounds like me and my friends talking to each other. <laughs> <laughs> Except we don't shoot each other with shotguns, but yeah, but, yeah, yeah. So I, what's funny? I mean, of course, this isn't a believable movie, but they never really explain because we they don't show that Big Shim and Brenda are the same person. They they're separate people. That's so why I, I never thought they so were. Yeah, That's why, the first time I watched it, it, it didn't click to me. Why? I, and when you said that, I was like, of course they're the same fucking person. Yeah, but they they never explained. You know, I mean, because you see Shim at the end and what happens to her, and Brenda calls on the phone, so. Apparently, they're not the same person in the movie land. Same so, actress, though. The same actress, yeah. But so how did she know to call Brenda's house to find Tony? Because the pimp knew the, where the, he the was. Pimp? Okay, okay. I missed that part. Okay, 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 okay. Yep, okay. The pimp All right, knew where plot he hole was. filled, perfect movie. <laughs> so did you, could you believe that Brenda would actually pay the ransom of $100,000 for Tony? 
No, no. But like I was reading a, a an Amazon review and somebody referred to him as hunky. And I was like, he's the wormy guy. <laughs> <laughs> he is a, definitely not a prize. No, he's not. But he's not old and sloppy and gross. You know, like when we were watching the all those Japanese bondage films and then finally unloading a vibrator torture, it was like, OK, I know this is a fucked up movie, but the guy's cute. Right. Yeah. And it, and this one, it's like, OK, well, he's not a, you know, a 60 year old trench coat guy that they gave 20 bucks to come show <laughs> up. This is actually a cute dude. But again, I mean, just it's just so funny. He's like, he's a stud. He's a stud. He's a stud. There's never any evidence of that. No, I uh, well, the women were so d crazy. Oh that yeah, it didn't matter who was getting sent oh, out no, I, there. I, I, lo I love, I love that about the the women in this. Like you immediately find out that he's a gigolo and Brenda's paying him to fuck, right? Like yeah. go, go girl. And I mean, there's there's no shame about female sexuality or violence in this nope. movie. And so that's just again, like with Faster Pussycat, that that that's what's that's what's fun. Shim does not give a fuck. She's gonna fuck you up. Brenda will pay for whatever she can get and boss everybody around in her pad. Her 70s fucking barn, swingers, pad. swingers pad. Oh, with that big stone wall with the fireplace and that massive glass table. And she had secret compartments for her booze and TVs. Yeah, nice. <laughs> I wonder, I wonder, I wonder how they got into that place. What I read was it was filmed somewhere around Houston. So this is a movie like straight out of Texas. And yeah, of they, they yeah, so so the other place, their hideout where they were all sleeping on sofas. Twig, I liked Twig. Was that the one that was the dancer that was constantly she bopping was the, around with a radio by was, her ear? Yeah, she was the dancer with the radio with the baby voice. She was fucking funny. All the, there was yeah, all the all these people. The one and Harriet, I loved Harriet. Uh, the hard was she one. The one that was trying that that won the card match and was able to fuck yeah. him first. Yeah, yeah, that's her. The one that ended up whipping him at the end. Yeah, Harriet was awesome. Harriet was great. And the, unfortunately, the other blonde one with the beehive, I don't remember her name. Well, she I'm, wasn't really in it too much. No, no. They were pretty much just tits and ass. This movie bops around. The first time I watched it, it reminded me not only of Russ Meyer, but of my good friend Andrew Shearer's yeah. uh, movies from Gonzarific. Yeah. I could tell 100% that he loved this movie yeah. and I had to get a hold of him and I did. And he's like, Oh yeah, I love Shima. So, <laughs> so, so tell me like, what is it specifically like name off some of the elements that are like you would consider gonzerific. Okay. Uh, listeners, if you aren't familiar with what we're referring to my old podcast, Astro Radio Z, I used to have a guest on all the time who is um, a sex positive uh, feminist punk rock filmmaker out of Athens, Georgia. Um, Andrew Shearer is his name, and he runs a production house or, or a team kind of like uh, the Dreamlanders were with John Waters called Gonzarific. And it's not just him that makes the movies, also some of the actresses and other uh, burlesque dancers and other artists around <clears throat> in uh, the Athens scene um, come together and film stuff under this banner. And um, some of the I guess some of the traits that I immediately caught on to one, I know Andrew's tastes, which are hugely rooted in Russ Meyer and huge, uh, huge, hugely oh, rooted. Oh, his movies <laughs> aren't all about the moves. <laughs> uh, the, the thing about Andrew's movies is, um, and not to get too far off track on Shima, but uh, he doesn't show nudity in his movies, but he teases it 
a lot. Okay. And the, the the big thing with his movies uh, is female empowerment and women having agency over their sexuality and power over the situations that they're in. Okay. And Chi Mob definitely is all about the women are center stage. And the there's only one dude other than obviously the pimp in this movie, one dude in this movie. And he's just kind of tossed around like a rag doll, like an afterthought. Yeah. And all the women have all the best dialogue. They're all badasses. Um, none of them are really, they're not really sexually exploited. This is an exploitation picture, but nobody's really just like, I didn't feel, did you feel this was really male gazy at no, all? No. No, because, I mean, you would not have had Big Shim in a movie if it was male gazy. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Is all the women felt like real women. Yeah. They weren't. They weren't. They didn't pick specific women for certain, uh, you know, traits other than obviously the woman with the huge, fake breasts. But everybody else felt like genuine women that weren't necessarily the ideal mm -mm. at the time. So a lot of those are kind of things if, that I know Andrew likes to showcase in, in his movies and the music okay. and the editing style and the, just the overall fun tone of it really okay. feels like the Gonzerific films. And folks, okay. if you like stuff mm. like Russ Meyer and like She Mob and Something Weird video, go check out gonzerific.com, my bud. This is just a big shill for my bunch, <laughs> Andrew. His movies, and his, his movies are fun. They're fun. They're super fun. Um, but I totally, when I watch She Mob, I'm like, I know Andrew loves this movie. Oh, I just knew. <laughs> that's because so funny. It is this movie is just a fucking riot it's from campy. start to end. It's so campy. The the editing of this movie is what got me. And you kind of asked me while we were watching, well, what is it about the editing? Um, I think we take for granted now because we live in like a post Quentin Tarantino world where certain traits of exploitation films are just kind of like right, now the norm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. where certain things in like the whole opening credit sequence and then there's certain things when we're with the girls where instead of having people walk into frame they just bop editorially into frame there's just certain this movie just keeps moving even even though there are sequences that really linger on and we just like the whole when we go into the farmhouse the first time and we just slowly walk into one room and then slowly walk that ends after once we meet big shim this movie is like yeah the whole time and there's nothing i i want to ask you because i remember before we started watching this movie you had told me you thought this was a dark movie what well, was this that kind of led you down that path Okay, the first time and the only time I watched this, I was sitting here talking to Steve and it was on. And so I just was watching it peripherally, sort of hearing the dialogue and just getting different glances at it. And so I see like, you know, the scene where they 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 dress him up and it seemed very humiliating. And there were just there was just various different bits and pieces that I was picking up that I didn't get the overall tone of the film. I didn't get how comic it was really. Yeah. So because I was sitting here talking to somebody and just kind of sit here in this out of like the corner of my eye, it seemed like some badass broads out causing some trouble. And then it ends with that Tony and they're like, and we're going to castrate him. So I didn't get a lot of context for different things. <laughs> and so it was just these different blips and it, it was like, Oh God, this is, this is a pretty dark fucking flick. And then you're, you're like, no, <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> and we watched it. We were laughing the entire time. So yeah, it was just, it was just the way that I, 
absorbed it the first time that I did in the bits and pieces without really understanding what the whole context of the film was. Because okay. when when you're not, we, you're not really familiar with what Shim's doing, she's I mean she comes off as very transgressive. She's very dark. She almost yeah. comes off like like she's genderless, other than the bullet mm -hmm. tits. Yeah, yeah, she very much does. Her character is just um, not something you would commonly see i mean there were some typical like quote-unquote bold -like characters but she like you said she kind of transcended gender in that way and uh i mean definitely uh i mean she shoots her girlfriend down in cold blood after with a shotgun yeah with a shotgun and then blames the dude for it and i mean but yeah she just shoots her down that's her precious treasure you know you see that scene where harriet wins the card game so she gets to have tony first and then um, baby gets up in her sheer little negligee wearing only stockings <laughs> and a garter belt with her awesome beehive hairdo. She's laying in the bed just reading. They got out of jail. They didn't have anything <clears throat> else, but they sure yeah. had wardrobe. Yeah, definitely. They had lots and lots of uh, chiffon lingerie. So she's just doing that, and she hears them next door. She's reading her daily mirror. And so she gets up, and she just goes. And so this is an opportunity for her to stand kind of like in a three-quarter profile and, <laughs> and just touch the globes. A lot and watch them while they're doing their thing and then she just walks over and kind of gets in on it and then the next thing you know shim comes in and grabs her pretty much by her hair and is like this is my woman da, da, da. they argue about the parameters of his gigoloism right <laughs> and um yeah nobody ended up fucking him she brought them out brought him out there other than you know obviously the whole blackmail and kidnapping angle yeah to fuck everyone not yeah. a single person fucked in this movie um only at the end in that weird 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 scene the epilogue scene the, ep the unnecessary epilogue scene that's my one complaint about that movie and it, 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 i mean monique duval pretty much got naked in it too but it was like i'm done <laughs> well what happens folks is eventually tony tries to leave with um what is the character's name baby baby Attempts to to leave in the you know the dead of night where everyone's passed out, but Shim catches them and they go on a high speed chase. Uh, Shim shoots Baby and drags Tony back to torture him. Oh, remember his car caught on fire, and so she drags him out of the burning car and takes him back so they can torture him because yeah. it's it's his fault. Baby's dead. Yes, mm. absolutely. And they get back to the the crib and everyone's like, "Oh, look at he's so burnt. He's so messed up." He's perfect. Yeah, he's they fine. obviously had no budget to do any yeah. makeup effects. He had a little smear ash on his cheek. <laughs> <laughs> the car literally erupted into flames. Yeah. And then then they strip him down. They have him on the sofa, strip him down, and put him in baby's clothes. And I was like, baby had clothes. Oh, wait, underwear. Okay, good. So yeah, they <laughs> they dress him up in in baby's uh panties and bra and stockings and everything. Oh, this the panties aren't gonna fit. He's a stud horse. He'll be a gelding when we're done with him. And then we know ooh, castration's on the horizon. Yeah, it's on the menu. <laughs> it's on the menu. And then they tie him up and whip him. And Harriet gets her whip out. And that was just one big chance to show all they're like, change your clothes, girls. We're gonna have a party. And so everyone shows up in Merry Widows and and black black sheer panties. Cause at that one point they're tying him up, putting the clothes on him, and all we see are Harriet's and the beehive blonde girl's asses. And you could tell that one of them had her ass in and the other one was over here. And the director went, Hey, bring your ass over here. So she brought her ass. Over here. <laughs> <laughs> and so we just got these butts and and twigs over there 
they're t- just messing with him and everything. And yeah, so that was another one of those scenes where it's just like, hey, tits and ass, tits and ass, tits and ass, and stockings and garter belts and Mary Widows and all that. And like Harriet changes her stockings like nine times. I was so impressed. She had a great every stocking. 10 minutes. Like, every day, gotta have the fresh stockings every 10 minutes. <laughs> so yeah, so they, they tie him up and beat him up. And the writers are about to castrate him. Dun, dun, dun. And somewhere in there, there was also a money exchange where, um, Sweetie East dressed as Brenda McLean with the wig and they did a swap that she was walking out in that Canyon in that dress. And then she goes and changes back into her jumpsuit. Again, another chance for us to see her naked and yes. changing clothes, which seems to be a running theme and something weird. And, um, so the yeah, lingering this, shots the of lingering shots of changing clothes. Yeah. And, uh, part of why I like them. And, um, so she rescues Tony, a gunfight ensues. A cop came in there somewhere, shoots Shim, and um, Sweetie East escapes with Tony, and then they fall in love. In the, oh, in a, okay, so <laughs> I like in this whole epilogue scene where Sweetie East takes Tony back to her crib because she, well, actually, Tony takes her back to her crib because she's shot in the back and we figured that she's dead oh yeah and that he's sitting there with the corpse surrounded by all that money the money by all this money ransom yeah and and then they proceed to make whoopee well he bandages her up because he's a gigolo and a girl scout yes and he bandages her up and then starts feeding her grapes that are on the floor in this fruit bowl and they're in this room surrounded by books and fruit and i'm like okay that sounds good but you don't have that many books and (laughs) that sounds really judgy paul i'm an english teacher bite me (laughs) (laughs) and uh i judge people based on that just now um but yeah, just it was it was a funny room. That's all. And so he started like she's on her back, which was funny again because she got shot in the back, and then all of a sudden he hands her a glass of wine, and the the flutes started. No, it was romantic music, and then the John Sousa march came in later. But uh, so the, the romantic music comes in, and all of a sudden she looks at him, and he looks at her, and she drinks the wine, and he pushes her onto her back. <laughs> yep. Like, and starts feeding her grapes from the bowl. And then all of a sudden it goes from shim fucking going down, shooting, fucking dying, blood and leather everywhere where it should have ended. Yes. To, to Tony and uh, Sweetie East um, having we a really- been calling him Tony! The what? entire episode. I know he was. Tony! Um, but yeah, having like, they, they start playing like sweeping love song and they're like all over- the books and all over the place and then she squishes grapes in his face at some point in time and then they have an uncomfortable moment and she insults his dick ha ha hundred thousand dollars for that no way and he's like you're gonna get it and then he takes then off they fuck then uh, yeah they fuck quote unquote they yeah fuck. they fuck it was showing pictures of her biting his shoulder until the phone rang and it was brenda because we forgot about brenda right and she decides that Tony's Tony's going to be her fee and she's going to keep Tony because. But give the money back. Yeah. And give the money back because Tony. Tony. Because Tony. And then that's it. The end. It is a scene. I would say it is one of the worst epilogue scenes. This side of Dario Argento's opera. It is just um, like such an unnecessary drug out kind of pointless. Yeah. ending. 
they had some weird foot stuff and leg stuff in there. But basically, like we were saying, it's like, okay, this is the point in the movie at the grindhouse where it was like, all right, close your raincoats, guys. <laughs> the love song's Time to go home. Time to go. All the and tits- it's a sex scene. But it goes on for 10 minutes and, and it's yeah. so fucking boring. It's the one scene out of the entire movie that I'm just like, Aah. they showed him kissing and it was gross. Oh my God, it was <laughs> so terrible. I mean, you just had a, a huge shootout. You had a scene where Tony was <laughs> impaled by Shim's bullet tits. Yeah. Oh my God, my tits are as hard as my heart. Is that what she said? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love her so much. You had a scene where Sweetie is carrying around a fucking leopard like it's nothing. Like mm-hmm. it's what she does. Yeah. It's like, you know, a, a Beverly Hills a uh, rich woman carrying around a chihuahua in her purse. No, she's carrying around like a little leopard and she's got her ass crack sticking out in that space age. I mean, that's almost like a Vampirella kind of jumpsuit with the cutouts and the cutouts and it goes way down low and back. Zippers everywhere. <laughs> Stockings underneath. Oh, oh my God. God. Oh my God. It was amazing. I mean, I mean, seriously, we could keep going. There, There's a sequence where a bunch of women are playing uh, poker to see who wins fucking rights first. Mm-hmm. I mean, this movie has it all. It oh, literally yeah. has it all. And then you ended it on this total fluff, pointless. I have a feeling they just needed to pad time. Like it, there was no reason to have that scene in this movie. No, there, there wasn't. There wasn't. They seem to do that sometimes. I remember it, it was reminding me of the tone shift and a taste of honey, a swallow of brine when it goes from the taste of honey, the swallow of brine stuff to like all of a sudden they're falling in love. And they, they, they seem to do that sometimes. I don't know. I, the, like Character you said, was it, was, it, was, this, that. was this even, yeah, they're all so well-developed. All yeah. these, they're so one-dimensional, all these characters. are so much fun, though. Oh, that was the stroke section. I think they felt like the whole movie they had been building up to a sex scene. To a sex scene, and so here's your sex scene. Yeah, the most boring thing you've ever fucking seen in your entire life. Tony finally gets laid. Yep, that's what this the subtitle of this movie, Tony, <laughs> gets laid. So, okay. so that's that's she mob. When, when it's all said and done, Paul, what did you what did you think? What kind of Jackalman action are we talking uh, here on the, the she mob? This is this is like this is five Jackalmans. This is so much fun. It's it's like I said, I first thought it was going to be this sinister movie. And then we started watching it together. And I was like, oh, my God, this is fucking hilarious. I mean, it's a Jackalman for the divine eyebrows alone. Right. <laughs> Shim and gets five Jackalmans Shim, alone. Shim gets five Jackalmans on her own. So the rest of the movies just fluff. But this is it's so funny and it's so cute. And also at the same time, so many beautiful boobs. Mm-hmm. So many beautiful butts, beautiful bodies, beautiful women, stockings, all the stockings. Harriet stockings, five jackalmans on their own. I mean, she goes, <laughs> she goes from the from the window fishnets to like, she's got like five or six different pairs of fishnets that she's putting on. I loves me some fishnets. And then she whips Tony. They dress him up like a girl. They're gonna castrate him. I mean, shim, shim. Shoots baby in the back with a motherfucking shotgun and then punishes Tony for it. Fuck yeah. <laughs> You did this to baby. You did this to baby. Yeah. (laughs) Then they all just, they all take off and just leave baby laying there on the ground. I was like, yeah, it's just (laughs) brutal, brutal women, brutal women. Well-played. It was so much fun. Oh my gosh. This is absolutely a five Jacqueline movie. Boy, it sounds like there's a drag strip going on outside my house right now. Hello, Wisconsin. Oh my gosh. Wild Wisconsin. Maybe that's big shim chasing after Tony. (laughs) Outside of my street. 
So um, I this is absolutely five Jackalman movie. This oh, may yeah. be my favorite movie that we've done on the podcast. So wow, far. we've been we've had some pretty good luck with the something weird so far. A couple of them were trash, but these have been little gems. These ones that you find that are really good, like this, and the taste of touch of her flesh. And I can't mm-hmm. wait to watch the second one. Uh, oh my god, I, I sent you that description from the Sleazoid Express, right? Yes. Uh, so you want to tell the the listeners about this book? That you're you've been reading that your your good friend sent you. Yes. Okay. The same brother from another mother, Steve Eckert, who gave us um, Bat Pussy. He brought me a couple of books a couple of weeks ago, and one of them is called The Sleazoid Express, which I guess was a zine started in about 1980, 1981 by a dude, and then later on his wife who lived in New York City and went to all the grindhouse theaters, and so it's a breakdown of each theater and basically a lot of the movies that they played and a lot of the playbills that they had and what was popular where and which ones were gross and which ones were amazing. So it's the Rialto and the Avalon and, and I'm sorry, the Avon and all the big ones and the little ones. And it's just this amazing, amazing book. And one of the chapters happens to be about a lot like something weird ones and specifically um, the Finleys, Roberta Finley. I love her. And, um, and just uh, let me see the brothers that they made the films with the Ameras, I think their name was. And so talking about taste of her flesh, curse of her flesh. And one of my favorite things like, is trash beautifully written. Like my favorite books are like Nabokov's Lolita and Madame Bovary by Gustave Flaubert because they are lurid, trashy, nasty <laughs> novels just written beautifully. And that's what this guy, he calls himself Mr. Sleazoid. It's over there. I'm not going to go get it. <clears throat> but um it's all the way over there it's um, too much work for me well if you want to wait i'll go get the book you know tony get me my <laughs> book tony, go get me my sleazoid express <laughs> but basically talked about kind of the theater that ran most of those and like how they made those and and it was just a lot of fun and he he was talking about he compared um the taste the touch of her flesh to miles davis and then he compared uh curse of her flesh is that the next one Yes. To, to Ornette Coleman. And so, of course, I loved the jazz references because sure. I love both those guys. And I'm like, ooh. <laughs> no, I, mean, I think we have that on our list, don't we? Yes, it is. I'm looking at the list right now. And uh, how about we how about we take a, a quick break and we'll come back and we'll talk about the upcoming episodes because we have another episode so, of the book club at Orgy Castle with it, our dear friend, Miss Angelique Bone. Angelique looking Bone. ever so adorable this episode. Yay. She is going to be talking about T-Rex smut. So, oh, my uh, God. Are we going to have Tyrannosaurus Rex come from head to toe? We'll have to listen and find out. Here we go. Hi, and welcome back to another installment of Book Club at Orgy Castle. And we are on the final installment of the uh, Taken by Dinosaurs trilogy by Whitney Fox. This one is Ravished by the T-Rex. <laughs> so, you know the formula. Uh, this time, we meet a college freshman who kind of fell in with a bad crowd and got arrested, and Mom and Dad said, no, no, we're not paying for school anymore. You're going to go to Wyoming with your aunt and uncle and get your act together. Yeah. So, 
<laughs> she flies off to Wyoming where there's no Wi-Fi or anything at aunt and uncle's house, and she's extremely bored. And, of course, they say, oh, well, you got to get a job. So what does she do? But she gets a job at Yellowstone National Park as a ranger thing. It's not really explained very well. She rides around on ATV all day and checks the terrain and everything like that. So... One day, she's checking an area that's been closed for 15 years to the public. It's going to be reopened soon. And she falls in a crevasse after climbing some rocks in her shorts and her ranger t-shirt. Oh my goodness, you guys know what's going to happen. She falls into a cave. Lo and behold, what do we see? A T-Rex. Rawr. <laughs> So, of course, the T-Rex sees her, and immediately she starts to run, but she falls like that old tired gimmick. Whenever a chick starts to run, she's going to fall, and she falls. And the T-Rex nibbles her clothes off gently and immediately gets a you know, blue vein throbber. And she, again, the formula, this is really algebra almost, the way she writes these books. She knows the only way she's going to escape is by satisfying the T-Rex. And tonight we have some special guests because, again, the thing that I, okay, I write and read some wackadoo stuff, but there's an element of reality, I guess, that, that, humans and dinosaurs can't do. So just to give you the scale, um, I have uh, Mechagodzilla in his finest uh, evening attire, and we have Pee-wee for scale. So uh, just take a look. That's a big old difference. And just to give you an example of the, the, the size of the member that we're discussing, um, let me just attach it. So, yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure it would be bigger, but a girl's got to deal with what she's got on hand just to kind of show you guys. So, I mean, look, if we're talking, you know... Um, Human on T-Rex, oral. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. That would knock the back of her skull out. She'd, you know, it'd be JFK City all over the place. And then if we were gonna do, you know, a little, little bit of that. Nope. A little bit of that. Nope. It's not gonna work. He'd be dead. Or she'd be dead. Sorry, Pee-wee. <laughs> so, <laughs> in conclusion, while reading Dinosaur Erotica is super fun, and again, I recommend this trilogy just for the comedic value. It's really funny, and she's got some other titles. Um, I think one of them that I'm going to check out next is Cyclops Gangbang. Um, she's got a whole list of cryptid porn, and there's another volume of dinosaur porn that, that we'll be getting to uh, really soon. But we've got some really fun stuff coming up. 
keep your ears open. Bye! Oh, so let's talk about uh, the upcoming episodes we have, because, yes, we're going to get back on track after the month-long hiatus of the podcast. And we had kind of told you guys that we cut you out of the equation, you fucks. (laughs) So we have like we have another nine episodes planned right now. Yeah, yeah. And the next episode we're going to be talking about, we're finally and I think it's apropos for what we have just watched. Our next episode is a Russ Meyer movie. Yeah, we're going to be watching the first Russ Meyer movie that we're bringing on the podcast is Vixen. This movie is so fucked up. So that's our next episode on podcast at Orchard Castle. Uh, we won't be talking about the next uh, Flesh film until episode twenty six. Okay, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. So, Paula. Yeah. Are you glad that we're back that we're we're doing the podcast again after a month? Were you were you extremely depressed and sad? Was there a hole left by the podcast not going on every week? <laughs> I'll take that answer as no. Or yes, yes. yes. I was I was just trying to come up with some kind of a comment about a huge hole. Nah, nothing. I got I'm nothing. Gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna insert <laughs> cricket sound effects yeah. right there. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> crickets. Um, Paula, parting words for the listeners. Crickets. <laughs> Ain't no mush mob party like a she mob party because a she mob party don't stop. There's Shim! Tony! Tony! Satan is the name she goes by. There's a lot of devil in her eyes. Kiss a fire that burns you well. She breaks your heart and it hurts like. Oh, words can't tell.